Yo, what up? This is D-Night, and you're listening to the Part in the Interaction Podcast. My, oh my, it has been such a god-awful, insane, and crazy week. It, it never stops. Trump's lawyers are out here flipping like the U.S. gymnastics team. It's bananas. Like, it, just insanity. It never ends. But before we get to all the crazy news... Uh, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Sheets and Giggles, my man, Colin D. McIntosh, an absolutely fantastic and wonderful person with the most awesomely soft sheets on planet Earth, wants to make sure that you're getting the best possible sleep every single night by having the best possible sheets on your bed or whatever it is you sleep on. Like some of you guys might be out here on like a naked and afraid challenge somewhere out in the wilderness somewhere, you know, and if you do like that show, I mean, if they had sheets from Sheets and Giggles. They would make it through the 14 days every single time because they're just that great. So make sure you pick up a set from SheetsAndGiggles.com. And of course, if you'd like a little discount, we've got some links in the show notes for you to do so. All right. We've got a little pocket pardon episode for you today. Just to briefly catch up on some of the latest developments in the political landscape. Of course, we're going to start off with the biggest scandal in politics. Get this. Joe Biden loves his brother and loaned him money and his brother paid him back. Can you fucking believe it? Like who would have thought? Like what a disaster for the Biden White House. I mean, for God's sakes, you can't loan your brother money when you're not, a, you know, an elected official and then have your brother pay the loan back. Like you can see why Republicans are totally up in arms about that. And, you know, of course, the fact that Joe Biden actually loves his family. I mean, I can see after, you know, nearly a decade of Trump, how that in their eyes is an atrocity. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. Like, this is absolute bullshit. And like even Fox News is laughing at Republicans for trying to paint this as some kind of scandal. Like, you know, Joe's brother wrote him a check in uh, 2018, I think, for $200,000 loan repayment, as it says on the check. I whoop-de-doo, man. <laughs> like, who gives a shit? And these dudes are insane. Like, they have nothing. They just... Comer and his attempt to, like, literally create the weaponization of government against political opponent, opponents is just flailing and failing as well. Like, just, just endless fails by these guys. I mean, they keep trying, though. You gotta appreciate the effort. They don't seem to give up. But no... But you know who did give up? That's right. Trump lawyer Jenna Ellis pled guilty in the Georgia Rico case being brought by Fonnie Willis, which means that not only do we have Scott Hall, who flipped a couple of weeks ago, we add Sidney Powell and Kenneth Cheesebro to the mix. And that means uh, along with Along with Jenna Ellis here, we're down to 14 criminal defendants. And if Fonnie Willis keeps whittling down uh, defendants and turning them into witnesses pretty soon here, we're only going to have a single trial with a handful of co-defendants that includes Trump. Now, we'll have to get into a little bit more of the specifics on the implications of all these lawyers flipping and cooperating with Fonnie Willis's office when we get the girls back. But as far as Jenna Ellis goes, like the person this implicates the very most is one Rudy Giuliani. You guess it. Uh, America's fucked up mayor. 
I don't know how familiar you are with former NBA owner Donald Sterling and one V. Stiviano, uh, but in the words of Stiviano, I would say that Jenna Ellis is Rudy Giuliani's right hand arm man. <laughs> Go Google that. That debacle will give you a little giggle for sure. But yeah, she's like most intimately connected with Rudy Giuliani, like in over the course of, you know, the end of 2020 and 2021, every time you saw a little blonde haired girl hanging out with Rudy, that was Jenna Ellis. She was everywhere. They were inseparable. Like she was heavily involved in everything Giuliani is associated with. And, you know, to think that she, she almost made it this long and endured everything from Rudy Giuliani shitting his own face and being farted on in court by Rudy Giuliani to still reach the point where she flips and cooperates. I mean, you know, what was it all for? (laughs) Endured all of that for nothing. Uh, Well, you know, I guess Trump should have paid her legal bills. Maybe that would have been um, potential incentive for her to not flip. Of course, you know, I don't even know if Trump having his pack, you know, pay his Rico co-conspirators bills like is that furtherance of the conspiracy who knows maybe that's why trump hasn't bothered but probably just you know look he's spending a gazillion dollars as it is it's tough trying to afford you know 18 extra legal teams just to keep all your co-defendants from flipping man my favorite thing about jenna ellis though is that on the social medias she was one to resort to the you know cry more libs And then here she is in court crying. Cry more, bitch. And of course, you know, she's not the only one to have flipped. It appears as though our Pardon the Insurrection podcast predictions of Mark Meadows cooperating with the feds that we had postulated as like early as spring of last year, just given that we couldn't understand why he wasn't on anyone's radar appears to be correct now i'm not entirely certain if he has a full cooperation agreement but he appears to have some kind of kind of immunity deal in exchange for his testimony and he won't be prosecuted for anything that he said before the grand jury now of course i am absolutely sure that includes the fact that he has to tell the complete and total truth and if he lies the deal goes up in smoke and he therefore could in fact, still be prosecuted by Jack Smith's office, not to mention on not to mention the fact that he's also under indictment in Georgia. So it's not like he's totally skating here. Uh, you know, he's got a bunch of bullets to dodge to figure out a way to fulfill his obligations to Jack Smith's office, as well as to dodge these charges in Georgia, which likely means some sort of plea arrangement with Fonnie Willis's office as well. Uh, you know, I don't know what the nature of of that agreement might look like, given that she's requiring everyone who cooperates to plead guilty to at least, uh, you know, a handful of misdemeanors, if not a single felony, even though likely it wouldn't result in jail time. Uh, but, I, you know, that's up to Meadows and his legal team and any negotiations that might go on between Jack Smith's office and uh, Fonnie Willis's office down there in Fulton County. 
and you know of course if you just go back to the indictment in dc by jack smith's team you're like huh it's very very odd and strange and suspicious that they mention all of these unindicted co-conspirators yet they never make note of mark meadows yet there's like details included in the indictment that only mark meadows could possibly know and this explains why so just yeah it's nice to have that um little prediction validated good job us patting ourselves on the back over here and hopefully we'll have the opportunity to dive into the implications of that a little more when i get the girls back together and if you think the flipping stops there you'd be wrong <laughs> i know a lot of people miss this because of all the focus and attention that was devoted to sydney powell and kenneth Cheesebro uh, late last week but a Michigan Republican who was accused of participating in the fake elector plot in their state had all criminal charges dropped uh, last Thursday after having reached a cooperation deal with with the Michigan State Attorney General's office. Uh, so James Renner, this is this guy was one of the 16 Republicans who acted as fake electors for Trump in 2020 in the state of Michigan and uh, I assume that this person will be cooperating against not only those fake electors from the state of Michigan, but anyone who helped orchestrate the plot that they might be aware of. And, and like this is really huge news because this is like a, another prosecution that could reach all the way up to Trump. But that's not subject to like the possibility of being pardoned by Trump if he somehow and just to win the 2020 or rather the 2024 election um so so given the fact that trump won't have the ability to potentially dangle a presidential pardon in this case this could lead to other fake electors deciding that they would like to cooperate with prosecutors in the state and much like finding willis's office we're going to have a flip of palooza like everybody's going to sign up for cooperation deals try to get the best deal as soon as possible and maybe even escape prison time altogether. And again, I don't know the nature of the relationship between like the Michigan State AG's office and Jack Smith's investigation, uh, but I assume like any cooperators who sign up for like full cooperation ag agreements um, will likely have to testify in any federal election cases revolving around the attempted theft of the 2020 election. So, yeah, I mean, it just like the shit is just piling up nonstop. Like it's endless. It's crazy. But yes, you know, fairly huge development that not a lot of people paid much attention to, but that could have a drastic impact on, you know, things going forward in the 2024 election. And of course, like I would assume that other states might be dropping charges against their slates of fatal fake electors in the near future. Uh, it, you know, in such fashion as to make sure those charges go forward before the 2024 election or rather so that those trials resulting from those charges go forward before the 2024 election, um, if not to create a situation where um, potential defendants cooperate and flip and, you know, give other states the opportunity to work their way uh, up the criminal chain. And if, you know, you think Trump is facing a lot of criminal legal jeopardy, well, he's also facing a lot of civil, civil legal jeopardy as well. Um, so one of the developments 
over the course of this civil trial in New York about the Trump organization and how it just engages in nonstop fraudulent behavior. Uh, one of the claims Trump Org was making is that like a 2016 valuation of um, Trump's Wall Street skyscraper to the tune of $735 million was based on the capitalization rate uh, provided by a former Cushman and Wakefield executive director appraisal. And that Cushman and Wakefield executive direct- director testified and said, thank ever asked me to do none of this shit (laughs) like he flat out denied uh, not only not um, remembering those conversations but in fact that none of those conversations had ever happened and you know his advice was one of the things Trump or repeatedly relied upon in, in reaching these particular evaluations for their properties by the way, that building appears to only be worth around $220 million, so Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> he, he lied to the tune of $515 million and, and tried to blame it on this dude. And dude was like, bro, my name is Bennett and I ain't in it. <laughs> like, this defense was just, I, I don't understand. Like, it was all smoke and mirrors and it just went up in a puff of smoke. So, I mean, he's the judge is clearly going to uh, hold him liable for just massively overinflating his assets. And given it like it's a bench trial, there's no jury. I, I mean, this is pretty fucking damning um, evidence and testimony. And, and like, that's not all. That's just like one of the many damning developments in the civil trial in New York. Uh, you know, another being Alan Weisselberg wouldn't have the opportunity to talk about this last week, but. But, you know, Weisselberg reached an agreement with uh, Alvin Bragg to testify. Now, it's very important uh, notation of of the specific language there um, to testify in the civil trial against Trump org. Um, But part of the problem here is that, you know, given that he didn't agree to a full cooperation deal, it'd be very difficult to hold him accountable um, should, you know, and, and I'll give you an example of this, right? Um, so, you know, he agrees to testify. He gets on the stand. You're like, all right, Alan Weisselberg, what do you know about this evaluation of the Wall Street skyscraper by the Trump organization and how they arrived at a figure of $735 million? Mr. Weisselberg answers, I don't remember. It's like, all right, well, can you prove that, like, he does remember? And he's just lying. Yes, and that's like the <laughs> and and that is like the difficulty that comes with only reaching an agreement for Wasselberg to testify and not fully cooperate because in a full cooperation agreement, like, you know, Bragg just be like, look, man, judge, he ain't fucking cooperating like he's supposed to. We can't get him to answer questions fully and truthfully. You don't have to, like, bring a perjury charge, which is very difficult to prove in court um, in in order to show that he violated the deal the judge and just be like all right lock his ass up um but in this particular case uh weisselberg was doing a lot of i wasn't involved with that i don't remember that didn't have anything to do with that and as it turns out 
Weisselberg may have told Tuplatin of a lie about his involvement in the financial evaluations done by the Trump organization, and not only that, failed to produce evidence in discovery, which is a big no-no. As um, Letitia James's office said in a letter to the court that it identified likely omissions in documents produced by the defendants related to 2016 exchanges with Forbes magazine about the value of Trump's real estate assets and where it's really unfortunate for them is that they won't they likely won't be able to use a defense that it was done in error because some of the emails of which uh, Letitia James's office is referring to were turned over in this discovery process a small portion of them were not and the ones that were not turned over were responsive to the discovery obligations but also those specific emails likely prove that Weisselberg knew a lot more about what was going on with these inflated asset valuations um, than he is willing to admit at court so it makes him look super fucking guilty so the attorney trying the case wants the independent monitor that was put in charge of the Trump organization to make sure they don't commit no more fucking crimes to um, execute some kind of internal review of all the communications in possession of the Trump organization that fit the bill like the time um, uh, the general time around when these emails were supposedly sent just to make sure that they weren't withholding evidence that should have been turned over in discovery so uh this is potentially damning for both weisselberg which could blow up his um his deal and get him sent back to rikers and it's really really bad for the trump org i mean this is just going to blow them the fuck up and (laughs) and again like this isn't the only damning evidence which is what's so fucking crazy there's just more and more it's non-stop it just keeps pouring out there's a fucking deluge of damning evidence and testimony presented by one witness by in one document after another. It's just nonstop. It's fucking endless. And this trial is going to go on for quite a while. So just expect more and more. Expect more and more. Oh, and in case you thought like mainstream media that I forgot about Anthony Pratt, the billionaire box dude from Australia. Uh, I did not. Uh, you know, over the course of the weekend, it appears as though 60 Minutes Australia received a number of recordings uh, of Anthony Pratt talking about his various interactions with Trump and the fact that he spends quite a bit of money on Trump and on Trump's businesses in exchange for political influence. And, you know, basically just like <laughs> he basically pays Trump off for things he think might be potentially beneficial that work in his favor um you know surprise fucking surprise here but this is the same guy um, who trump was sharing our nuclear secrets with and he made a number of revelations about the things that trump has told him including that like you know blackmailing the president of ukraine into trying to investigate his political opponent is like the least of the things that trump was doing so yeah, that's fucking insane. And also, I mean, just like things like spending millions of like a million dollars on fifty thousand dollars worth of of tickets to an event at a Trump property. I mean, like Republicans care about James Biden paying Joe back for a loan. Like it's 
absolutely fucking bananas. Just the utter hypocrisy. Just, I mean, Jesus Christ. But yeah, we'll talk about that more on the next episode. So make sure you subscribe. Uh, turn on your alerts so you can get a notification. And of course, before we wrap it up, Republicans appear to have selected a Speaker of the House. Finally, after weeks of circle jerking to no avail. Uh, and of course, the individual that they arrived upon to lead them into uh, the 2024 election was, of course, Mike Johnson, election denier. He is the House rep most largely responsible for organizing the Republican effort in 2024 to overturn the election um, by not voting to certify Biden's electors, even though Biden legally won the 2020 election. So congratulations, guys. Everyone is flipping on Trump at the same time that you selected a guy who was part of the plot to run the House of Representatives. Ace job, geniuses. You guys are going to have an indicted former president and an indicted sitting Speaker of the House. Congratulations. You earned it. Expect to be crying more, just like Jenna Ellis. And that concludes this episode of Pardon the Insurrection.